I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I just get excited about being here together with you guys. I get excited about reading the word together and studying it. Um, so grab your hands on a copy of God's word. Uh, before you open it, uh, just let me say a couple of things by way of reminder. Okay. First, last week was seek him in the word. How'd that go? little check-in, little accountability. If you're not going to small group, I'll be your small group member right now. What did, what did you read in the Word last week? How did it impact you, right? Did you seek Him in the Word? Did you rip the cover off the Bible and get into it? I pray that you did. And if you did, I know you were encouraged. Two, so that's about myself. This is about your money. Like, ooh, man, he's going to get in my money. All right, yes. We spent a lot of time last year on God's money. And uh, we did the balance series. There's so many different things. But we thought in doing all of that that some of you guys would be like, oh, yeah, I got my money straight. And that some of you guys would be like, I still need to get my money straight, right? Regardless, Financial Peace University is an amazing opportunity. And I just got to say to you as your pastor, um, I'm grieved that nobody really has signed up for that, at least last I heard. So we've got a place to meet, we've got a person to teach you and to guide you and facilitate you, but we don't have people signing up. So that tells me either people don't need to manage their money well. That's not what it tells me. I live in the same world you do. I've taken the class twice. There's a reason I've taken it twice, and I'm thinking about taking it a third time, because all things tend to drift. And so there's no shame in taking a class to help you get your money straight. It's what we call being a good steward, which is, you're like, could you preach already? I'm trying to be a good steward of our church and our, our time as well, and that's why I'm bringing this up to you, because we've spent money and we have a person ready to teach you the things that are going to really help you get your money straight. And so go online and sign up, register for Financial Peace University today, right? Tell us you want to have it. Otherwise, we're going to shut it down because we don't want to waste our time and money and energy, okay? Clear? All right. I am not trying to, like, make you feel bad. But that kind of felt like I was trying to make you feel bad. So one more. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I am speaking the truth in love. So if it's convicting, let it be convicting. And if you're like, not for me, then make sure it's not for you. All right. Guys especially, because you should lead your house, marriage, right? We are bringing in my senior pastor, Ron Zappia. If you hear his testimony, and you will if you come to the conference, the not conference, you are going to be like blown away. Broken marriage, got saved, got called to ministry. It's an amazing testimony, and that's why he wants to tell everybody about what God's done in his life and how to have a better marriage. I'm pretty sure you didn't walk in here thinking, eh, I got a good marriage. Maybe you did walk in thinking I have a good marriage. That's okay. Are you, are you thinking you could have a better marriage? Yeah. Are you, are you focused on it? Like $90 focused on it? Well, yeah, I'm going to spend $90 in roses like this Wednesday. Skip the roses, bro. Do something that lasts for eternity. I'm just telling you the truth in love. You're going to go buy something, food, roses, that's not going to last when you could actually spend some time with your bride, holding hands, 
listening to the word, talking about issues, redoing your vows, meaningful stuff. So I just want to say to you again, like we do these things to encourage you and to spur you on. I know that some of you guys are like, ah, I don't need to go to a marriage conference. My marriage is great. I don't need to go to a marriage conference. Blah, 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 blah. Reasons. And I'm telling you, every single person in this room that's married needs to go to the marriage conference. Every single one of us needs it, right? I went to two marriage conferences last year because I need it. My marriage needs it, all right? So I'm off my rant now, but I really, really, really want to say those things to you because it really, really does matter, and I'm praying that you get those things, all right? Now let me pray, and then we're going to start the message, all right? Let's pray. Father God, we bow our knee to you. And I ask that just in those last five minutes that somebody would have felt your love. God, it doesn't come through me perfectly. But God, as your messenger, I want to speak what is clear, what is real. I don't want these people to be duped by Satan or the world into thinking that living in the world system is a good thing. God, we want to live in your love, in your strength, in your power. That's what we want to live in. Your power. And I pray your power in this church today, in the lives of every one of your people. And God, if somebody's here and they're not your person yet, I pray power into their life, that they would see the love of Christ which is bigger than they could ever have imagined, and that they will turn and embrace you as Lord and Savior forever. We pray these things because we believe firmly in the power of prayer, and you have asked us to pray. You have said, call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God, I don't know who's going to be at FPU. I don't know who's going to be at the conference. I don't know what you're going to do in their life. But God, if you get them there, you have an opportunity to do something amazing. God, I don't know who's here today. I don't know them all intimately and personally. But I do know that you do. And that you have something planned for them today that is beyond my comprehension. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, do it. Amen. Amen. Hey, seek him in prayer. Seek Him in prayer. So, seek Him in prayer. It's a great topic. Uh, we're going to get after it. Um, how do I seek God in prayer? That's what I aim to answer. How do I seek God in prayer? How do I do it? How do I seek God in, in prayer? Well, let me just ask you this. Has anybody ever taught you how to pray? Has anybody ever rolled up to you and just been like, hey, this is how you pray? I learned how to pray by watching. I learned how to pray by watching other people pray and then mimicking what they said. Exhibit A, my dad. Every time we'd have a meal, he would pray. Bless his food to our bodies and us to thy use. Every time. And so, what did I pray? Every time I came to the meal, bless his food to our body and us to thy use. Right? I've been noticing that my kids... Um, they pray certain things like, God, help us to have a good day. It's not a bad prayer. But are you really praying is the question. 
Has anybody ever taught you how to pray? And I've just been thinking about this lately, how to teach my kids how to pray. And so I'm so grateful for the passage in front of us. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, because we're all God's children and we all need to be taught by him how to pray. And Paul, the apostle, writing to the Ephesians, is teaching us how to pray. How do I seek God in prayer? Paul's like, this is how you do it. Look at verse 14. Chapter 3, Ephesians, verse 14. For this reason, if you are here last week, you know that that goes with verse 1 of chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, for this reason I, Paul, now I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's prayer. Chapter 1 had a pretty powerful prayer too, praying for wisdom. And you might go back and read that at the end of chapter 1 this week and uh, get yourself in that spot where you're ready to pray. We're focused now on chapter 3, and I want to answer this question, how do I seek God in prayer? How do I seek God in prayer? Ready? All right, I better start the introduction over. I, I caught you off guard there. I'm actually talking to you, Sam. I'm talking to you. Give me an answer. Are you ready? All right, good. Sam's ready. You guys ready? All right, I'm ready to learn something about prayer. I want to know how to pray. How do I seek God in prayer? Here's the first thing. Humble yourself before God in prayer. Humble yourself before God in prayer. Now look at verse 14. I bow my knees. Bow my knees? How do you bow a knee? Here's a knee. Bow it. How do you do that? It's just a weird thing. Like, sorry, I'm just looking at scriptures going, you just bow a knee. Like you bend your knee. Well, that's another word for bow, right? Is you bend your knees, right? You bow the knee. You bend the knee. You bend down. You get low, right? And it's a sign of humility. I humble myself before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I'm trying to enter the presence of God. We understand that God is omnipresent. He's here because he's omnipresent. 
but we're trying to enter the manifest presence of God. We're trying to get alone, intimate with him. We're trying to draw near to him, and he promises to draw near to us, James 4 says. We don't enter proud or flippantly. And everybody's like, but last week you said we have access with boldness and confidence. Didn't I say that? That doesn't mean you enter flippantly or proud. That just means when you enter humbly, you have access with boldness and confidence. That's what that means. We come humbly and we come respectfully. Now, it says, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. That's a pretty big deal. Who named you? Who gave Natalie her name, right? Her birth mom, right? All right, and you guys could have chose to change it, but you chose not to. Your choice, right? The father, God, named the first son. Who was the first son? Genesis 5 tells us in the first verse, in the first genealogy, says, Adam, the son of God. And then it says it in Luke 3.38 again. It says, the, the son of God, Adam. Who gave Adam his name? Who gave Adam his title? The man, Adam. That's what it is. The father did. And who gave us our name down through the years, down through the... Our father did. My father, his name's Tom. He, he, Thomas, he gave me my name. Stephen Thomas Diedrich. Initials are? <laughs> Glad you got that one. Awesome. Great for your laughs. Awesome for me, not. And so all of my kids have two middle names. For a reason. I have now adopted a middle name. My name now is Stephen Thomas Ulysses Diedrich. <laughs> Catch it now. Catch it now. Right? Catch it. That's awesome. Some of you guys are going to get that later. It's going to be great. The point is, we're all named by God. We all have an authority, God, and he's given authority, our father, right? I spoke just a second ago with authority as your pastor saying, here's what's good for you. You should do it. There's an authority. And then there's a humility to say, man, I think I should consider doing that. If it works out, if God calls me to that, I'm going to do that. That's a, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time to at least catch my attention on that. God wants to catch our attention in prayer every day. You can go read Genesis 5, the first genealogy. It's pretty cool how the fatherhood and the fatherhood and the fatherhood. The main point is God is sovereign, and he's the one that names us all. He's father of all. And so that demands a question. Is God your father? Is he your father? Do you roll up to God 
in an intimate way. Do you roll up to him and you do say, Abba, Daddy? That's a, that's a gift. A lot of people don't think of God as a, a loving father. That's a gift. I want you to see this from the eyes of Jesus Christ. So turn to Luke chapter 18. Turn to Luke chapter 18. I want you to see uh, what humble prayer and not humble prayer looks like. Okay? Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. This is just a great picture for us, a contrast, what not to do and what to do. And so it's right here in Scripture, and when Jesus Christ speaks, it's kind of fun to listen. So Luke chapter 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were religious. Now think about it. We're all in church, so we might be the person he's talking to. We like to think he's talking to somebody else. And treated others with contempt. Well, it definitely can't be me then, because I love you. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. A churchy person and a Sinner. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. That's Wednesday and Friday till dinner. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, does that language mean anything to you in Ephesians? Far off? Those who are near and those who are far off? The Gentiles? But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. What does the word justified mean? Didn't we just have a message on the doctrine of salvation? He went down to his house saved by grace through faith rather than the other For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. You could just write Philippians 2, 9 through 11 there. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The one who humbles himself will be exalted into the presence of the Lord, exalted. You want to get close to God? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I'm back in Ephesians chapter 3. Not like this, not proud, standoffish. I think I'm better than you. Look at me. I get it. Hope that's not you in prayer. But like this, I can enter. Can I enter? I hope I can enter. Am I 
Worthy? I'm not worthy. Please forgive me. Thank you, Lord, for access through Jesus Christ, for the boldness to even crawl on my knees here, and for the confidence in coming to you. Thank you, Lord. We enter God's presence humbly, and we ask God to fill us up. That brings us to the second point. Number two, not only do we humble ourselves before God in prayer, but we ask God to give us power. Ask God to give you power. You ever ask God? Yeah, I ask God for a lot of things. Well, stop asking for the Lamborghini or the church building or the job that pays more or the you fill in the blank and start asking him for power. Ask God to give you power. Ask God to fill you with the presence of his Holy Spirit in power. Look at verse uh, 16. That according to the riches of his glory. I mean, you got to go back. I, I read uh, chapter 1, 2, and all the way to chapter 3 today. And like so many times it says riches. In chapter 1, verse 7. In chapter 1, verse 18. In chapter 2, verse 7. And in chapter 3, verse 8, and now in chapter 3, verse 16, he says, the riches of your grace, the riches of your glory, the riches of the, the inheritance that we have. I love this. That one day I'm going to be crown on head, reigning with Jesus Christ. That's more than all the money in this world can buy. That he may grant you See it there in verse 16? He may grant you, give you, okay? That he may grant you to be strengthened with power, there's our word, through the Spirit in your inner being. That you being rooted and grounded, I skipped a verse, sorry, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There it is, faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe God can answer your prayer today? Do you believe if you ask him for power, he'll give you power? Do you believe if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the Holy Spirit? Do you believe if you ask him to cover your sins with the blood of Christ, that he'll cover your sins with the blood of Christ? I believe every one of those things. And I ask, God, fill us. With your fullness, we'll get there. That you being rooted and grounded. Um, rooted is a tree, right? Roots down deep. Grounded is uh, a foundation. So you can build a bigger building on top. Have a good foundation. Who's the foundation? Christ. Matthew 7, just write that in your margin. Matthew 7 talks about both those things. The rooted and the grounded. In love may have strength to comprehend. So you're going to need the strength of the Holy Spirit because without the strength of the Holy Spirit who's in you, you won't comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, that's how wide it is, and the length, that's how long it is, and the height, that's how high it is, and the depth, that's how deep it is. Okay? How wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, and how deep it is. God's love. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses human knowledge, 
that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Have you ever heard of the book, My Heart, Christ's Home? It's a little book. It's like, yay big. You can get it online. Go look. You don't actually have to buy the book. If you look online, you can get the PDF. It's a short read, just a few pages, maybe four, maybe six. It talks about Christ coming into your heart. I think it's Revelation 3.20 that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. To open the door and invite him in is salvation. Right? But then once he's in, don't relegate him to a little spot. Let him clean the house. Come in, clean the house. Clean the bedroom, clean the living room, clean the kitchen, clean clean it all. Clean the hall closet. That's My Heart, Christ's Home. It's a great book. You've got to read it. It'll really penetrate your heart. I read it this week. It penetrated me again. Why? Because I don't want to give God just a door opening, a crack in my life. I want to give him the whole place. You be the house manager. Matter of fact, I'll be your servant. You tell me where to be, where to clean, what to do. This word ask right here. Ask him in, ask him to clean it up. This word ask, you know, sometimes, like, I don't know, like to think about English language and stuff. So ask, okay? Who, what, when, where, why, and? Okay, so those are all questions. Let's just ask those questions. Who are we supposed to ask? God our Father, right? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, many names. Personally, we get to ask our daddy because that's intimate and authority, right? Who? What? What are we asking for? That's in the point. Power, right? <laughs> Glad you got that one. Okay. Who, what, where? Where do we ask him? On our knees. In the church. At home, where, wherever we are, right here, right now. Who, what, when, where, why? Why? Because I need him. I need him desperately. I don't even understand how much I need him. And yet when I think about it, I know I need him. When is now? Where is here? Why? Because I need him desperately. And how? How? This is a key. We ask in faith. Believing that God wants to fill us with the fullness of His Spirit and His presence. Now I want to zero in for a second because the passage does on what we ask God for. What we ask God for. Here's two things we ask God for. First, we ask Him for the strength of the Spirit. In our inner being, uh, resolve, uh, endurance, uh, a strength. When people go through trials, I was at the hospital this week. Somebody's been in the hospital for seven and a half months. Many surgeries. Been told, your kid's going to pass away so many times. And yet this lady has a smile on her face. Encouraged my wife and I more than we encouraged her for sure. And I'm like, where does that strength come from? How is that even possible? God gives you that strength. 
It's power from the Holy Spirit. When you need it, you'll have it. Ask for it. And then the second thing, what what are we asking for? Here it is. The love of Jesus Christ. I want to know the love of Christ. Can I know the love of Christ more? Can I know how deep it is? Can I know how wide it is? Can I know how high it is? Can I know how deep it is? Long, high, deep. Can I just know more? Can't wait for you to read that Ephesians for You book. He talks about that we've never been to the deepest part of the ocean. Never been there. We don't understand that. But we still play on the ocean, right? We still play on the beach. We still get into God's love and splash around like we're kids. Show us more. Take us deeper. Let us tread the water of your love, God. It's scary, isn't it, to be in the deep end? But you know, that's where his love is vast. So I'm going to ask this question, do you know the vastness of God's love for you? Do you know it? Do you know the vastness of God's love for you? And I wanted to uh, show you the vastness of God's love, so I've been all over the scriptures, and I asked the two, our two elders, uh, Ed and Steve, to just read this over you. So you can close your eyes, you, can, you don't have to turn to this, it is going to be on the screen, but I want you just to feel, to know how vast the love of God is for you. All right, listen to this. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John 15, 12, and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, Endures all things. Love never ends. In 1 John 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Thank you very much, men. I pray that you will be encouraged by the love of Christ. It is so vast. He, He came to die for us so that we might know the Father. Have you ever asked God to show you his love? Just show me your love, God. 
poured out. I think that's something you should ask more. That's powerful. When God blows you a kiss, does a miracle, shows you his love. My prayer for you is that you will experience God's love. It's powerful and it gives you the strength to love each other well. This last thing, humble yourself before God in prayer. Ask God to give you power, the strength of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ, and then this, number three, expect God to do more. Just flat out expect God to do more. He says he will. Why don't we think he will? That's faith. You know, I asked for this, but I bet you God's going to exceed it. He did last time and the time before and the time before that and the time before that. If you look back in your life, he did it and he did more. And yet we don't ask him. And so expect God to do more. Let me just read it for you now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of Jesus Christ. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, the first part of that, him who is able, God is able, do you know that? God is able to do, to do what? To do all. There's nothing he can't do. He can do it all. But Paul can't leave this alone. I mean, you think that would be enough. He's able to do all. No, he's like, um, God is able to do above all. All right, above all. Let's just leave it at that, above all. No, he says, God is able to do abundantly above all. Now, that seems like a lot. Like, okay, Paul, I think I get it. God is able to do abundantly above all. And God, uh, Paul's like, no, 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 no. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. That's crazy. I mean, Paul wants you to know you can't ask something too big. You need your marriage to be flipped and, and turned upside down and you need to be restored. Bam, ask God. He's the only one that can do it if it's that far gone. I'm pretty sure I won't be able to help. Or the conference. But God can use the conference, and God can use the love of other people, and God can do a miracle in your life. Your money? Find yourself in a bad spot? I have before. The world just tells us to spend, man. Spend and spend and spend and spend, and it doesn't matter. Put it on a card. Everybody's doing it. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wise. But if you find yourself upside down in the ditch, I'm just telling you, ask and practice some good principles. But ask. Maybe ask the church. Man, I'm so far upside down, I can't afford the $125 to, to, to go to FPU. Great. We would love to pay for it so that you can go. Because that's going to get you out of the ditch. We want everybody to be healthy. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all this. God is at work in us through his glory and his power and his love in the church. Now, I'd love to give you the top five things that God's done in our church. 
That's, that's what I was going to do. I was going to give you the top five things that God's done in our church. We, we asked this, and he, we did more, right? But you're like, eh, salvation, baptism, lasting change. I mean, restored marriages, faithfulness. I mean, Steve Bueller's been an elder for six years. That's astounding, right? That's faithfulness right there. Like, but no, 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 no. I had to make it personal, so here it is. Uh, I look back at my life since I learned about Harvest Bible Chapel, and I wrote down prayers that I've prayed more than once. These were consistent prayers. In 2001 through 2003, after we had gone out to Harvest Bible Chapel, Naperville, and, and knew that church was different, we prayed this prayer, Kimberly and I. Change my heart and change my church. That's what we asked for. Change my heart and change my church. That's what we asked for. God did more. God did more than change my heart. He's continuing to change my heart, and he did more than change my church. He planted a different church. He planted a new church. And new people and different people coming every week. In 2006, I was out of the ministry, and I needed a job, and, and so we prayed, God, give me a job to care for my family. And sometime just roll up to me and ask me about that story, because this is a God moment. I can't tell it to you right now, but like I'm just sometime just roll up and be like, tell me about that story. It is crazy. And God answered that above and beyond. I started working at Harvest Bible Chapel as a janitor. And later in the year, God renewed my calling and, and revived my ministry, and I became the children's director. And in 2009, I was on Lake Michigan shore. And I was praying, God, give me direction. I don't know what to do. I thought you called me to Rochester, but now you're giving me opportunities in Chicago. What are you doing? Give me direction. And God answered that prayer quick, and he answered it loud. And we're here. And he's done more than I would ever have imagined. In 2012, we had planted a church, but we weren't seeing people come to Christ. And we got on our knees, and we asked God for fruit. For the labor. God, bring new birth. Let people be baptized and get all in. And I remember that day. I think it was April 2018. Or 2012, excuse me. 2018. <laughs> wow, I'm going to be a prophet right now. <laughs> I've been asking God for prophetic words. There we go. I'm going to be a prophet right now. No, I, I, I do. I remember it. April 2012, 18 people stood up and said, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Just all over the auditorium, people standing up and saying this. We walked down, they got baptized, 18 people, impromptu baptism. It was amazing. And we pray for that again and again and again. We ask for these little things like, God, give us new birth. Give us some fruit for our labor. And he's like, boom, I'll pour out power on you. In 2015 and 2016, I remember asking God, God, I did what you asked me to do. I planted a church in Rochester, Minnesota. What's next? And we just kept praying that prayer. God, what's next for us, Lord? What's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? And this document, right? The 10-year vision came out of those prayers. 
And this is what's next, being faithful to God so that he will build his church. It's like, Steve, there's nothing, there's nothing crazy for you to go do. What you need to do is be faithful. And if we're faithful, he's going to do some crazy, awesome things. He's going to do more. I'm thinking of 2018 and the prayers I'm praying now for our church. Maybe for a building. I'm praying for new birth again. Praying for people to get baptized next week. I'm praying for all these things. It won't happen because I'm praying it. It will happen because of the power of God. It'll happen because God's power gets poured out. That's why it's going to happen. Prayer isn't like this rabbit's foot. I just get to rub it and it like it's a it's a genie lamp. No. But we do get on our knees before God and we ask God to do more than we could ask or think. And we ask Him. I think you get the point. How do I seek God in prayer? Humble yourself before Him in prayer. Confession. We need you, God. Ask God to give you power to know the love of Christ, to have love for one another. Expect God to do more. Pray big things in your own life. Pray huge things for our church. God, give us Shopco North. Okay. That's what I pray. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just keep praying it. Give us a home for Harvest Bible Chapel. I figure if it's not that, it'll be something, and you'll answer it because you'll get sick of me asking. That's the persistent widow. Hey, let's spend some time in prayer. Let's close our service with that. Let's just spend five minutes. I'm going to ask you to pray. Are you ready to pray more? Yeah. Are you ready to expect more? All right, then I want to fill up this down here. People on their knees. And uh, if you don't want to walk down for any reason, that's fine. Just turn around. Make this your altar. And I want you to pray, all right? Make your chair your altar. There's going to be some things on the screen that you can pray. Um, let me lead us off, okay? There's some things I like to go to to pray. Um, and Isaiah 6. Revelation 4. Revelation 5, these are throne room scenes. So go ahead, you stand up, because you're going to move in a second. You're either going to move to your knees there, or you're going to come down here. I'd love to have you guys come down and pray and call to God. Just five minutes, so make it passionate. Humble, on our knees, asking God for power in his local church. Let me start with just Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne, and the whole temple was full of His glory. Can you see it? Can you get there? God is high and lifted up, and we are humble before Him. And the angels or around him saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And one angel is shouting back to the other angel, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I pray that we will shout back and forth to each other powerful, life-giving prayers. So God, we come to you. And we ask you to do more than we could ask or think according to your riches and your glory in Jesus Christ's 
name, all God's people are praying now.